0: The Kaderna
1: Podcast. The Kaderna Podcast. The Kaderna Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna, and I'm very happy to have you joining us today. So, we got a really cool episode on deck. I think it's a very important message. And we have some pretty cool stories that'll elaborate and underscore uh, just how important today's topic is. So if you haven't read the title yet, you're in for a pretty cool surprise. What we're going to address are the most infamous estate planning blunders of all time. All right, we're going to dive into the rich and famous and people that all of us have heard about and essentially what happened to their legacy when their time was up Did they make the right decisions or did they make the wrong decisions or maybe they made no decisions at all and we're going to talk about what the consequences were there okay and we'll drive home all the way to you and i what can we do and how does that kind of parlay to our own well-being all right so as always the goal of this podcast to talk about all things finance and business related is to communicate to you guys how to be on the path the the most optimal path achieving your greatest level of wealth all right and in wealth we define it in its original sense which is a state of well-being so estate planning is going to be a big play in that regard all right if you go all the way back to our earliest episodes and if you haven't listened to those if you're you're a newcomer I really implore you to go back and, and tune in because those episodes really lay the framework for what we address each week but all the way back at the beginning in the pilot we talk about the five tenets of financial planning. And if you remember the first one, the most important one was protection. As I always say, protection first, fully, and forever. Okay. So one of the building blocks in there, aside from all the liability protection, risk mitigation, the insurances, all those things that we've kind of touched on at a high level so far, one of the other building blocks is estate planning. And so you might be saying at this point, well, what's he talking about? What is estate planning? So before I get ahead of ourselves, let me just define that for you. All right. So I'll quote directly from Webster's Dictionary. They define estate planning as, and I quote, the arranging for the disposition and management of one's estate at death through the use of wills, trusts, insurance policies, and other devices. Okay. I would probably elaborate on that and say it's all those things. Uh, But not only at death, but also if you're ever incapacitated, Um, that's where the estate plan can kind of answer some questions at that point. All right. So you just heard all the legal jargon. If I can break it down just in plain English, it's essentially the, the playbook or the game plan of everything that you have. All right. If you're not here and able to make that decision or make that call. okay. so it could be because you have passed away. It could be because you are incapacitated, or you might just be hiking through the hills of Machu Picchu, and nobody can get a hold of your cell phone, and you're needed ASAP to either make a big decision or sign off on something. All of those kind of what if and then questions are to be answered by the estate plan, okay? So needless to say, these are some very, very important documents. And now I want to share some statistics with you guys of why we're even having this conversation today, all right? So the first one, if I may, is from LexisNexis, all right? Very well-renowned polling company throughout the country. And what they found is less than 50, or excuse me, more than 55% of Americans today do not have a will, okay? I'll restate that. Over half of America does not have a will, all right? Furthermore, as I researched uh, a little bit deeper, I noticed a survey by caring.com and another poll, and this is kind of eye opening for the future. It showed that less than one in five millennials have drafted their will. Okay, so I fall right in that generation. That's all these young professionals are kind of taking the workforce by by storm, uh, buying houses, getting married, having kids. And less than 20% of us, our generation today, has drafted a will. And we're going to talk about what that procrastination can mean uh, when we give you some of these real life examples, okay? So in that vein, when when they did these studies, they also asked all the respondents, that 55% that has yet to draft a will, well, why haven't you done it? The number one answer by a landslide was, quote, I haven't gotten around to it. Okay. Just simply procrastinating. The number two was, I don't think I have enough assets that I would need to do an estate plan. And then the third one was, well, it's too expensive to get those things taken care of. So I'll hold off on it. All right. And in all of those uh, responses, I think something I hear a lot, and I'm sure it played a factor for all those people is it's just not a very fun conversation. You're talking about, you know, your death, You're talking about you not being here, what happens to all your money, to all your family, to your business, and so forth. It's not always a very fun conversation. You know, if I'm in bed and I'm sick or I'm in a coma, uh, should they pull the plug or do they keep me on life support? Not many people are excited to talk about that, but we do have to have those conversations. We do have to get that down on paper, or we're going to see what some of those consequences can be when we don't. Uh, because we either don't want to, or we just continue to put it off for whatever reason. All right. So some common things that I've found before we get into the rich and famous, I would say the most common estate planning mistakes over the past, you know, 11 years as a financial advisor that I've been privy to. um, Number one, I'll give you a, a story I've seen unfortunately more than once. We've have a husband and wife that say, okay, for all our money, we'll make each other the beneficiary. That makes perfect sense. But then for contingent beneficiaries, we, I've seen this where the mom will say, okay, we have two kids. I'll make our daughter the contingent beneficiary on all my stuff, and you make our son the contingent beneficiary on all your stuff. All right, so now they're both taken care of equally, right? Well, not so fast. Now, if, you know, let's say that mom passes away in that scenario, everything goes to her husband, and now the husband eventually passes on and they have not updated anything, now, all of those monies flow through to his contingent beneficiary at that point, which was his son. And then our daughter, unfortunately, in this scenario is kind of left out to dry. All right. Again, a silly little mistake that could have disastrous consequences. And I've actually seen that happen again more than once. Another one I've been privy to that uh, is pretty common, and I, I don't think I'm the first to see this by any means, is when we have a remarriage later on in life. Okay, so let's say we have a senior that they're a widow. um, They've met someone new. They fall back in love and they say, "Okay, you know, I'm in love. You know, I'm married now. I'm going to do the right thing and have my new spouse be beneficiary of my accounts and then vice versa for my spouse to me. All right. That kind of makes sense. And then, you know, wherever the money goes, it'll go back to our kids at that point. However, if we actually unfold that scenario now, Let's say that grandma that just remarried passes away, all of her assets flow to her new husband, and now that new husband doesn't update anything, he's to pass away. All those assets now flow through his side of the family and his beneficiaries that he listed. So now you might have kids on grandma's side and grandkids and so forth saying, well, what happened to everything that grandma and grandpa had? It's now kind of flowed over to another family that we don't even know. All right, that's a very common mistake that we see when these beneficiaries aren't updated. And then the third one, if I could just share, because again, another common one is people think, all right, if I do draft a will, that will kind of governs everything. In reality, we have assets that will flow through probate through the will. And then there's other ones that are going to flow by way of contract. Okay, assets that have designated beneficiaries. All right, that might be your IRAs, any of your bank accounts that are like payable on death or Uh, you know, transfer on death accounts, those ones that have designated beneficiaries will kind of skip over the will. All right. So you just did all that great work with the will and the trusts and all that language in there. And then you find out that the lion's share of your wealth might not even, you know, speak to that. So that's where these things really do have to kind of work hand in hand. So bottom line, there's got to be a lot of planning involved. Okay. And then the last thing that I want to share before we get into some of these stories that I know, Uh, you're probably itching to hear about because they are entertaining, I will tell you that, uh, is on the business side, okay? So a lot of business owners are familiar with a document called a buy-sell agreement that's kind of in a way like the estate plan of sorts for a business. And again, the number one mistake I see on the business side, and this is every day of the week, is I'll sit down with these folks and they say, hey, I'm going into business with my brother and our best friend that we grew up with we trust each other implicitly, we have each other's back no matter what. And we don't need to worry about getting all the attorneys involved and all that other stuff. We'll do things on a handshake. You know, that's we'll, we'll be men here. That's the way that we're going to handle it, or women. Okay. And, you know, that's all well and good until it's not good. And all of a sudden, at some point, you know, there's a small disagreement. And then that little issue kind of turns into a little dispute. And then that little dispute kind of evolves into a bigger issue. And then that bigger issue becomes a big dispute. And now all of a sudden, we don't have the playbook or the devices in place to tell us how are we supposed to handle this big issue or this big problem that we're dealing with because we did everything on a handshake. All right. I see it time and time again. I'm sure all of you listening are familiar with a family business or a closely held business that at some point it ended, and it didn't end well. And let me tell you that business, if you go back 30, 40, 50 years, I bet you dollars to donuts. When those folks went into business, they said, this is my best friend. This is my brother. This is my uncle, whoever it was. And we will cover each other no matter what. And we'll always find a way to work things out. We're blood, we're family. uh, We love each other, whatever it may be. And then here they are fast forward to today's point in time where maybe they're having a bit of an issue that could cause the end of that business. Okay. So my point is, I I hear that. I know what you're saying, but let's be real. I think every business partner starts off on good terms. I've never had anyone say, yeah, I don't really want to go into business with this guy. Um, We're kind of enemies, but we'll just do it because it's the right thing. And that never works that way. Everybody can trust each other. Everybody can do things on a handshake, um, but then life happens. And if we don't have these documents in place, it can get ugly very quickly. Okay. So think about this stuff as we go through some of these scenarios. So let's take a look at these infamous estate planning blunders, uh, probably some of the most notable of all time. The first one that I want to start with is by a gentleman by the name of Ted Williams. Okay. One of the best baseball players ever often considered the best hitter of all time, all right, he was a true slugger and hit great average and everything else. Well, unfortunately, in 2002, uh, he did pass away. And now reportedly, he had two wills at that time, he had one will that said he wished to be cremated. He had another will that said he wished to be frozen. Okay. Naturally, his kids come about and they begin to argue about this issue of what to do with dad's body. One of the sons had actually signed an agreement with a company called Alcor, uh, to get you the exact name, it's Alcor Life Extension Foundation. They're a cryogenic, cryogenically frozen company. Try saying that word, you know five times fast. All right so he had actually signed a document. Ted Williams did not. the son did, but he signed an agreement to freeze the body through this company out in Arizona. All right, so they go through that process, and they end up cutting Ted Williams' head off, okay? They sever the head, and they put that essentially in a pot, and they freeze his body, and they freeze his head separately. I guess this can be somewhat common uh, in that space of freezing the dead. I don't know. Um, But that happened, and needless to say, people were up in arms. A lot of people thought, you know, this legend, uh, it was a disgrace to the human body, and the kids certainly had disagreed on this. Uh, All because he didn't have that clearly stated of how he'd like to be buried, cremated, or what have you. All right. So again, it's not always about money. Um, These estate plans can speak to quite a bit. So that's number one, Ted Williams, um, kind of a crazy scenario there. Number two is Sonny Bono. Okay. A lot of us remember Sonny Bono as a great entertainer or singer, and at one point in time, the husband to share. And then Sonny Bono, as many of us know, unfortunately passed away in a skiing accident. And when he passed away, he had never drafted a will, okay, which is called dying intestate. So Sonny Bono did not have a will. And um, unfortunately, at that point, it gets a little bit hairy here. So a lawsuit uh, came about in which Cher had sued Sonny's estate for $1.6 million that she felt she was owed in unpaid alimony. Right. We even had a quote unquote love child that came about claiming to be uh, Sonny's son, um, which DNA testing later proved was not his son. And he felt he was entitled to a piece of this estate. <clears throat> and then there was Sonny's wife at that point, which was Mary Bono. She had to spend countless battles in the courtroom trying to fend off people that were coming after this estate of Sonny's because there was no will in place. So she had to petition to become the executor of his estate, and they spent a fortune and countless years in the courtroom because, again, there was no will in play for Sonny Bono's estate. All right, so just a lot of headache there, obviously, that could have been avoided had he spent a little time putting those documents together. Another one, a pretty recent, Heath Ledger. Okay, many of us know him as the Dark Knight, did an excellent role in the Batman movie. So he did the right things in actually drafting a will. Unfortunately, he later had a daughter named Matilda, and he did not update his will once he had his daughter. So Heath Ledger, unfortunately, he then passes away in 2003, and his entire estate was split up between his parents and his sisters, okay? And the daughter was essentially left out, uh, as was the mother of the daughter, Um, all because he had not updated the will. Uh, as he came into all this fortune being a great actor, and then being a father. Fortunately, in this instance, his family did come together, and they decided and agreed that all of this money should go to his daughter, Matilda, and that has since happened. Uh, So kind of a happy ending there. Another story, another famous one is Picasso, all right, one of the greatest painters of all time, Pablo Picasso, all right, he was another icon who never drafted a will, okay, and just had an empire of art that he had accumulated over time. So he had an enormous tax bill that was owed to France upon his death. And because he didn't have a will, and they didn't really have uh, language as far as what should happen to everything, many of his paintings and his drawings were then gifted. uh, Well, not gifted. They were used to actually pay this tax bill to France via a transfer to the Musée Picasso picasso which is a museum in paris in his name all right and then the rest were fought over by his illegitimate son claude and his five siblings all right so it took over six years and over 30 million dollars in legal fees and appraisal fees to actually settle this estate Uh, not to mention obviously that huge tax uh, that was paid to france through paintings and his artwork so pretty crazy scenario again without a will all right, let's go to a more recent one we have philip seymour hoffman hoffman a terrific actor all right again another actor that did not update his will uh, he had a will that was drafted by his cpa by his accountant uh, who had a focus in real estate uh, and then drafted his will and this unfortunately was done prior to the birth of two of his daughters all right because he was not married when he passed away to his then girlfriend it triggered a uh, about $12 million estate tax that had to be paid. A lot of that could have been alleviated uh, if his estate plan was uh, in better order at that point. All right, that was Philip Seymour Hoffman. Another one, uh, and we'll go through a few here, guys, because they're, they're all different in a way. Uh, Joe Robbie, he was the owner of the Miami Dolphins, actually the founder of the Miami Dolphins. Um, so he had some poor estate planning in which they used a will uh, that then went into a uh, revocable trust, trying to defer estate taxes uh, into the death uh, the death of his spouse. Unfortunately, his wife uh, didn't really want to follow that uh, kind of plan. And she demanded what was called her elective share, all right, as spouse, uh, taking money from that trust. She asked for 30% of his estate immediately, All right, His estate was very illiquid and did not have that money. And eventually what that triggered was a $47 million tax bill um, that the only way to settle for that was to give up his beloved team and sell the Miami Dolphins essentially as like a fire sale to pay that estate tax. Again, if everybody was on the same page and a little bit cleaner estate planning uh, and even the presence of life insurance to cover some of that as often as used. That all could have been avoided, and that family very well may still have had the Miami Dolphins. All right, another one I'm not even going to get into, James Brown, the godfather of soul, very famous singer. Uh, he went through, uh, or his estate, I should say, went through a 12-year uh, epic legal battle amongst some blended families. That it, I, Look it up if you want James Brown. Um, it's just a little bit too much for us to address today in the time that we have. Another big one we all know, Michael Jackson, all right, the king of pop, he died in June of 2009 amidst uh, those child abuse scandals, if you can recall that, and had uh, some estate planning that was incomplete and also not in the best of order. So the executors of his estate said that all of his wealth at that point was worth about $7 million, okay? They felt that his likeness, his image was essentially worthless because of the scandals going on. Meanwhile, the IRS claimed that his estate was worth over $1.1 billion, all right? So from $7 million to $1 billion, there's a bit of a gap there. And that got tied up uh, in court with the family and the estate appealing the IRS, and is going on, you know, now over 10 years. um, And there could be some enormous tax bills owed there uh, that we still don't know. And again, if they don't have the money and the liquidity to satisfy those bills, who knows, we might see the government, you know, owning his rights to the Beatles or to some of his famous songs that he wrote and that he bought at one point in his life. Sticking with that idea of Michael Jackson, famous singers, we have Prince, right, very recent song legend that passed away, unfortunately, in 2016, again, without a will, his over $200 million will somehow be divvied up amongst his six siblings and half siblings, and even a prison inmate that's alleging to be, you know, his son, and still now $45 million have been spent in legal fees. It's almost four years later, and those potential heirs have yet to receive anything. all of that $200 million empire that Prince built. Again, didn't have a will. And here we are today. All right, again, another singer, we're kind of over there, Barry White. He passed away in 2003 in the middle of a divorce. Okay. Technically, he was still only separated. He was not yet divorced from his wife. Therefore, that wife received everything, as opposed to his girlfriend and nine children with that girlfriend. Um, who received nothing in this instance, okay? All because it was in the middle of a divorce and he hadn't set up any estate planning to address that. We got Marlon Brando, okay, the godfather. Marlon Brando had about a $26 million estate and he left most of that to his producer and to some of his colleagues that he worked with in show business, all right? And that's what he intended. He also promised his housekeeper and dear friend that she would be able to have his mansion. Unfortunately, that was a promise. That was something that was never written down. It was never put down in his will. And needless to say, she was not entitled to that mansion, to his house. And so she ended up suing the estate of Marlon Brando and they ended up settling for $125,000. Okay, so for a far cry from what his house obviously was worth. Then we have Marilyn Monroe. Okay, I think everybody knows who she is. She died in 1962 of a drug overdose and left much of her estate to her acting coach, uh, Lee Strasberg. All right, it was only actually about $800,000 that she had left to Strasberg. However, Strasberg also claimed a right to her image and to license her image. That led to an eventual payout of over $30 million to Lee Strasberg's future wife, once he had passed away, all right? So this fortune now of over $30 million goes to a woman that Marilyn Monroe never even met. Crazy, crazy estate planning issue there. And then lastly, one of the the most infamous uh, in recent memory is gonna be James Gandolfini, okay? As we know him, Tony Soprano. I actually have a picture uh, behind me up here. So he died in 2013 of a heart attack while he was vacationing in Rome, all right? He did have a will, um, but what was pretty unique is there were there's mechanisms you can use in which you will not go through probate, which essentially makes everything uh, public knowledge. All right. So everything in his estate quickly became, you know, under public scrutiny. And that would have been easily avoidable with the use of some trusts. uh, But his was more guided by the will, uh, which said that 80% of his $70 million estate was to go to his sisters and his daughter. All right. Um, this went through probate, like I said, everybody in the public saw it. He left $7 million in uh, life insurance proceeds in a trust to his son, right? That was tax-free and out of his estate. That was probably the best part of his estate planning. Unfortunately, the rest was a little bit sloppy that went through the will, and um, that forced uh, an estate tax of almost $40 million to be paid to the IRS, all right, so his estate was essentially cut in half, uh, even more so uh, due to these taxes, which as many of us know in the estate planning space, many of them could have been avoided uh, if he had done some more advanced planning uh, that just wasn't accomplished. Not to mention a lot of that again, which is uh, earmarked for his baby daughter at the time. His baby daughter, when she turns 21, will be entitled to all of those funds. At 21, who knows what state of mind you're in sometimes. Um, that could have maybe been handled in a more responsible way to say she'll get some then or uh, when she graduates college or gets married or turns 30 and um, have different provisions often through like a family trust. But all of that was missing there. All right, so I hope that you were able to retain some of that. I know we went through some really um, icons here in show business and Hollywood, singers, athletes, et cetera. Uh, that have had, or their families, I should say, have had quite a bit of stress and financial difficulty after the fact just because of some poor estate planning or no estate planning at all, all right? So in closing, I, I know you might not say, well, I'm not mega wealthy, I'm not super famous, but these same issues can apply to you and I if we don't do the right amount of planning ahead of time, all right? So like that study I mentioned early on, procrastination seems to be the number one issue, we have to overcome that, or we might end up being a sad story uh, someday. And we don't want that to happen to our legacy. So please do give it some thought. And uh, research this. keep tuning into the Kaderna podcast, we're going to bring you more information, we can get more into the nitty gritty, I could spend a whole episode on any one of these individuals here. Um, but again, plan for the unexpected. It's what we all have to do. As I often say in the world of finance, I didn't know is not an excuse. So we've got to get in the know and then that can uh, alleviate the stress that you might be feeling and help us get on a quicker path to achieving true wealth. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. Keep spreading the good word. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Tune in on YouTube. We got a lot of great content there. And tell your friends about us. Everybody can afford to get this knowledge because it's free. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.
0: The Coderna Podcast is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not provide tax, legal, social security, student loan, mortgage, or real estate advice. Listeners should contact their own tax, accounting, or legal advisors, or the social security department in this matter. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian Coderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PASS, 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Securities, product services, and advisory services are offered through PASS, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor. 973-244-4420. Financial representative the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Pass is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Caderna Financial Team and International Planning Alliance, LLC, are not affiliates or subsidiaries of PASS or Guardian. Kaderna Financial Team is a division of International Planning Alliance, LLC, a general agency of Guardian. Pass is a member of FINRA SIPC. California Insurance License Number OK 04194. Content of the Caderna Podcast is copyright of Brian M Caderna, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the content in any form is prohibited without prior permission from the Caderna Podcast. The views and opinions expressed herein may not be those of of Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. Guardian does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of of the information or opinions presented herein. Any third-party materials referenced cannot be endorsed or verified by Guardian and are used as the opinion of the author. Guardian, its subsidiaries, or affiliates do not provide or issue or advise for mortgages. This material contains the current opinions of the author, but not necessarily those of Guardian or its subsidiaries, and such opinions are subject to change without notice.